uh, the message that, that God has laid on my heart, the message that, that I, I've been actually preparing for a couple months. You know, I was thinking, you want to make a pastor happy. Everybody wants to make their pastor happy, right? You come up to your pastor about 18 months after he preached a sermon. You say, hey, remember when you preached that sermon on? Man, that makes me feel good. <laughs> so the other day I had that experience. It was actually a couple months ago. Someone came up to me and they were like, hey, pastor, remember you preached this message? And it was a message that I'd preached on stewardship. And this individual said, you know, you gave us all $5 in the service. And you asked us to sow those those funds in the kingdom of God. And, you know, I do that, and I don't know what all the testimonies were. And he said, I believe you gave out $55 bills. And, and so he in, ended up investing it in his business, and, and, and he made sure to keep track. And, and he handed me $250, which was the initial investment that the church made that morning. And so pastor being pastor said, I guess that's the Lord's way of telling me I need to preach on stewardship again. And so this morning, my desire is to teach on stewardship again. And guess what? I'll just say it now so you don't have to worry. You're not getting $5 today. You're getting $10. So if someone says, I, I didn't get anything out of church today, you're getting 10 bucks. Everybody in here, I got 60 $10 bills. It's your, actually, why don't we go ahead and pass those out? I'm going to make people think about that. Trevor, Josie, whoever, uh, Tam, pass those out. I want everybody to get a $10 bill this morning. Now, as they're passing that out, everybody's just watching for their money. I know how that works. But ultimately, I want to I say this. My goal as a pastor, typically when we teach on stewardship, where do we go? Anyone know? Well, tithes and what parable do we always teach on? The parable of the talents, right? The gold bags, whatever you want to call it. So my goal this morning was to not preach on the parable of the talents when it came to stewardship. Now... I say that as a covering for me. If you walk out of here and you say, Pastor gave me 10 bucks, that's all I've learned, go home and read Matthew 25, the parable of talents. So that, that's my covering. So if I don't do well enough to teach it, then you go home and you read that and you learn it yourself. But my goal was to teach on stewardship to the church today. And as we do that, God brought me to a chapter in the Old Testament, and it's going to be, we're going to be in the book of Angie's trying to get more than one. Just ignore her. Sometimes when the kids come down from kids' church, they misbehave. Has everyone been given $10? Did Rosemary get one in the kitchen? All right. Good deal. I'm going to pray for God's anointing on what we're going to accomplish today because this day is much more than $10 bills. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence and what you've already accomplished in this place. We thank you for your anointing that is upon us and the, just the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit that we can see and know. And God, I pray that you continue to speak to us through your word. I pray our ears, God, they would be in line with you, our minds, our hearts, to hear what you're speaking to us, your children. And God, as we listen this day, I pray that we would be transformed by your spirit. God, you're anointing upon my words as the pastor. I ask that mine would not be yours, but yours would come from me. That your will could be accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to be in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 
And there's three stories of stewardship that I want to look at in this particular chapter. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It talks about the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So here's the situation this woman is. Her husband's died. She's so far in debt that people are coming after her sons for her to pay her debt. She's got no way to make money because her husband has died. So she goes to the prophet to seek counsel. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? That's not what you want to hear when you go to pastor, right? Tell me. What do you have in your house? I want to say this right now. Underline that verse in your Bible because that to me is the epitome of stewardship. We'll come back to that. The prophet says, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought her the jars. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Today, I want to spend time talking about stewardship. This lady in in, in Scripture, what do we see? God asks her what question? The prophet speaking for God, or the prophet asks her a simple question. What is in your house? And when she responds with what she has, what is in her care, what she has to offer, all that she has, she could have limited it and she said there's nothing there, but she remembered what? One small jar of oil. See, the principles of stewardship are really cool. We take what we have and we obey God. What did she do? She obeyed what the prophet said. Now, how foolish is it to go collect a bunch of jars when you've got just a little jar of oil? It's so foolish that she makes her kids do it, not herself. Well, that's good parenting right there. They're going to learn a lesson. They're going to go collect these jars. They come back, and I think it's foolish when she starts pouring. I think that's why they shut the door, because they didn't want to see anybody laugh at them. You know what I mean? Like, they're shutting the door. I don't really believe that, but they shut the door. And they begin to pour, and they keep pouring until what? All the jars run out. And then the, the jar stops pouring. Stewardship truly is knowing what we have obeying God in what he wants us to do with it, and watching God do something really cool with what we offer him. That's truly the story of stewardship. It's not about what I don't have. It's not about what I'm lacking. It's about what do I have, listening to God's voice when it comes to what I have, and watching God do something really cool when I listen and obey. This chapter continues. There's another steward in this chapter. Second Kings, it's a really encouraging chapter for people I know. She's losing her kid. This lady loses her kid. Anyway, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. Now, what's the difference in this woman and the last woman? One of them had nothing, and this one has everything. Right? She's a well-to-do woman. 
Uh, it's interesting. This is immediately after the story. I mean, those two ladies are standing next to each other saying, why are you putting this in the book next to each other? One of them doesn't have enough to save her kids. This one has more than, than she knows what to do with is the way I interpret it. She's a well-to-do woman. But stewardship, see, I want to I pause right there because stewardship isn't based on, on what I have or what I don't have. It isn't based on if I've got too much or if I don't have enough. A well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. There's stewardship. Now here's a prophet. He's traveling. He's going McDonald's to McDonald's. Seriously, like that's all a dude gets to eat is McDonald's, fast food. Now that wasn't McDonald's, I know. But this woman, what does she have to offer? She recognizes that Elisha could use a nice meal. And so she takes the time. I'm guessing if someone doesn't cook you a meal very often, it's nice to have someone who's going to cook you a meal. So she takes the time to cook him a meal every time. Whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. I mean, he made sure to make a detour to the Shunammite's house so he could get something to eat. Because what? She was a good steward of what she had. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. So let's do what? Let's consider what we have. And how it can be a benefit to the kingdom of God. That's stewardship. And she's, she knows we've got a lot, so let's just take that room upstairs. She said, let's make a small room on the roof and put, him, and put it in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Stewardship. What do I have? Being obedient with what I have. And watching God do something incredible. So the prophet says, what can I do? Because you're giving me a house. If you want to continue to read 2 Kings 4, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. They decide they haven't had a kid, this couple that was well-to-do. That's probably why they're well-to-do, because they haven't had a kid yet and started paying for diapers. But that's besides the point. They haven't had a kid, so they're well-to-do. So they say, prophet, why don't you pray that we can have a kid? So the prophet prays, says it will happen. That happens. I mean, when I said, when we're stewards of what we have... God does incredible things when we're obedient to Him. They get a kid out of this deal. If they had known all they had to do was feed some meals and put a a room on the roof sooner, they would have done it. I mean, really that was the desire of their heart. They were granted the desire of their heart. Then what happens tragically with this kid? He's out in the field working with his dad one day and he gets hit in the head with some kind of implement and dies. Now this is all made possible, this whole experience is made possible because of stewardship of this woman. That's where the relationship with the prophet came. So she sends out to the prophet, says, Prophet, what are we going to do? Um, my son's dead. He sends his servant, which I think is funny, with his staff to run to the bedroom, put his staff on the kid. The servant runs and he puts his, his staff on the kid. That's all in Second Kings chapter 4. You can read the story if you want. Anyway, the, it doesn't work the first time, so they've got to come back. It says, when Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, he shut the door on the two of them, he prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and he lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. 
Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room. And then he got on the bed, stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. Get the woman. And he did. And she came in and he said, take your son. She came in. She fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. That, my friends, is stewardship. I don't think a lot of people preach on the Shunammite woman and her kid being raised in the dead with the perspective of stewardship. What happened? What truly enabled this moment to happen? It was that she was a good steward with what she had. She knew that she could make a really mean pot roast. And so every time Elijah came, she put the pot roast on. And the pot roast was so good, she said, we got some extra space. Let's make room for the prophet upstairs. She took what she had and she used it for the kingdom of God. And she saw God give her a son and give him back. Because when we recognize what we have, and we're radically obedient with what God says, God does some really amazing things. One last story. This is going to sound like a New Testament story. Except for this first one. Tanner, you're the scholar in the room. You get to pronounce the S word in this uh, uh, passage. You ready for it? All right. A man came from Baal, Shalashah. I said it and I kept uh, messing it up in my devotion, so I had to start over. And we don't know if it's right and no one else would know, so you just say it confidently and that can be the way you pronounce that town today, Okay. Bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. Now this sounds like a tithe, but I'm not even going there right now. It's his first fruit he brought to the prophet, right? Stewardship. The prophet says, give it to the people to eat. How can I set this before a hundred men? Now does this sound familiar? Is this clicking any bells? might sound familiar if you've read the New Testament. But Elijah answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. This, my friends, is stewardship. We take what we have. We listen to what God says. We apply it to his kingdom, and we watch him do some really incredible things. I believe that's the message of stewardship. That's what God wants you and I to be able to consider with our lives. So often in this passage of Scripture, we may be like the first woman who recognizes she doesn't have enough. And when I have enough, then I will be able to sow. When I get to, a, to the right place, then I can do. And God's saying, but what is in your house? Some might say, I got so much in my house, I don't know where to start. I got more excess than I know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything now because my house is a mess and it's full of stuff. My oven broke. I can't cook anymore. God wants us to look at ourselves, to look at what we have. To listen to His voice and then apply it in His kingdom. You know, as a pastor, that's a job that, that I've learned. That's something that, 
actually has become enjoyable to me. Because I don't know how often people come and they give me something, and I've got to figure out what to do with it. Sometimes it's clothes, and I've got to figure out where to get the clothes. Sometimes it's stuff. I remember we went to a district council one year. Convoy of Hope was there, and they gave us these boxes for rural churches. And then these boxes were like these giant big gulp cups and, and massive containers uh, of Tabasco sauce or, or, or red hot sauce. And I'm supposed to figure out what I did with it. Now, I can't remember exactly, but I do remember it was close. I asked my wife for verification, and we couldn't decide so I don't want to say something that's not true. But it was right around the time that Pastor had this idea to do this ministry called Taco Tuesday. And because I had to look at what I had and figure out how I could use it, we began to use it with Taco Tuesday. Whether it was the catalyst or it was just the company, the beginning of it, I went back and tried to figure it out. I believe that over the last several years, we've served 1,600 pounds of hamburger. 8,000 tacos out of this church. Because we looked at what we had and listened to what God wanted. And He's doing something incredible. And I want to say this to the church. Of that 1,600 pounds, I don't know that the church has bought more than 50 pounds of hamburger. Because when we look at what we have and we obey what he says, God begins to do something incredible. As a pastor, I get to look at people. I get to look at your lives. And my heart is to be able to look at you, the gifts that God has placed in you, and figure out how we can be best stewards of what, the, what God has given us. And I think that we all have to recognize in this place, there is something in your house. So the question that I would pose is the same question that that the prophet posed to this woman. What is in your house? You've got ten bucks now. You can't say nothing. So if you said nothing before, now you just got that small dollar bill. What's in your house? You know, the joy is, is that we're all called to be stewards. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We're stewards of what? So God created mankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you. What did He do? Remember earlier this year, Pastor gave you pumpkin seeds. You want to go back to that analogy? Some people say, yeah, let's talk about the pumpkin seeds. Others say, oh my. You see, really, God just gave it to us. And it's our choice what we do with it. God has trusted us with every living thing. He's given us the earth. That's what God has given us. So if you say, i got nothing but this, you've been given everything, every seed-bearing plant. God has given that to us to rule over. What has God trusted us with? Mom and Dad, your children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from Him. 
You see, being steward is just taking what the king has given me and doing my very best with what he's given. He's given us the, the plants and animals. He's given us our, our, our children. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with what? What has God trusted you with? The mysteries of God. You are a steward of the mysteries of God. He's trusted you with that. The mysteries that that God has revealed. Now it's required to those who have been given. A trust must prove faithful. God has an expectation. See, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards. You are a steward of the grace of God. If you say, I have nothing, I don't have any kids, so I pass, I don't like animals, and I live in, a, in an apartment in a, in a high-rise building, you've got the grace and the mysteries of God. Grace in its various forms. What are you doing with what's in your house? What are you doing with your time? Ephesians 5 says, this is why it said, wake up, sleeper. Remember that part? Remember last week, wake up, come awake. Rise from the dead and and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Your time is a precious gift from God. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Your time, your talent, it's for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Every one of you was created with a talent. Every one of you was created with the ability to do good works. How can I say that? I can say that because I know who God is and I know the victory that he's given me in Jesus Christ. You were prepared to do good works. And I'm not saying we work for, for the kingdom's sake, but I'm saying you were prepared to do a good work. It's one that God formed you specifically in your mother's womb to accomplish. which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If each of you, sh- each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What's in your house? What's the king trusted you with? You know, when I recognize that it's his, sometimes I'm a little bit worried about it. I'm a little bit more concerned with what I'm doing with it. I'll tell you, there's times I want to know the return policy on his gifts. Every parent's been there at times, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. But he gave 
He gave me my children. And I'm accountable for their lives. God has called me to reveal the mysteries of his kingdom. He's called me to share about his grace. He's given me the privilege of being the pastor of this church, accountable for, for, for the discipleship, equipping the saints in, in, for the works of the kingdom of God. That's what he's called me accountable to. If I were looking at that $10 bill, those are the things that I would see. I wonder what is in your house. What has God created you to do? What is he preparing for your life? We just sang about the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ who needs that victory to be revealed in their life that you're the messenger you're the one he's trusted that with yet we do nothing man if only I had the faith of Rowene and the boldness of Angie if only my jar was just a little bit bigger well, you think your jar is too small. My problems are too big. I got so much, I don't know what to do with. I got this and that and everything else to go. And I don't have time to do anything. All you got to do is dust that jar. I got to clean this mansion. You guys can come forward. I don't know what you sing right now. I don't even know how to end this service. It's my job. You know, someone says... Pastor, why would you give people $10? What am I supposed to do with that $10? I ain't telling you because it's not mine to worry about. Because much like God in your life, I'm trusting it in your hands. So what do you think you need to do with it? You pray to the king and you listen to what he says. And when he speaks something to you that sounds a little bit crazy, when he says to you, this is a great opportunity to, to, to go witness to that person. This is a great opportunity to demonstrate my love. And you say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. And you listen to his voice and you watch his return. When he says to you, you sow this in your business and you bring it back to pastor and he's going to preach on this again. And then you get to watch pastor be challenged to preach for a third time on stewardship about something else where I've got to look for a different example in scripture. Whatever it is, watch God do what God does. $10 is nothing compared to the good works that he's created you to accomplish. $10 for me is just a tool to get you to think about what you have and see how you can apply it for the kingdom of God. And hopefully after you look at that $10 bill that really doesn't have that much value, especially the way the world's going, $10 doesn't mean much. You might get a gallon of gas or two or three. I want to tell you there's much greater treasures than you. I want to say there's jars of oil in your house. I want to say that there's, there's gifts that he's given you so you can make a meal. There's a place that he's given you so that you can make space. There's, there's the talents and that he's equipped you with that you can give back. What are you doing with what the king has given 
you. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to ask that you listen. You listen to God. You ask about that $10, but honestly, that's yours. If you go buy a, a, a number one with it, it's not my problem. It's your choice. Someone might need to buy a number one with it. They might be hungry. And God said, here's your next meal. It's on me. Someone might say, I'm supposed to sow this and something and watch it produce. I don't know what God's going to speak. My heart is you would focus on $10, but then you would focus on the eternal value in you. And what I look forward to are testimonies. Reading the stories. I started pouring. I gathered all these jars. I didn't know what I was doing. And they just kept filling. I was barren. We couldn't have kids, and God gave me a son. In the world, they tried to take my son, but God gave him back. everyone ate until they were full. My 20 loaves of bread. There are a bunch of guys my wit size there chomping on that bread. Brad was there. And Roy showed up. They all ate. Old pastor came too. I got to pick on myself. Because I took what God had given me. And I listened to what He said. And I watched Him do something incredible. Amen? I'm going to have them just sing a soft song in the background. And I encourage you to spend a moment with the Lord. And listen to what He's speaking to you. I'll give my blessing at the end and we'll pray. We got food today. So you're getting $10 in a meal at church. I mean, what better deal could you get this morning? I mean, seriously. But I encourage you to focus on what God is speaking to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. May you recognize what you have. Listen to His voice and watch God do something incredible. Amen? I'm going to pray for the meal. God, we thank you for the meal we're about to partake of, for the many hands who prepared it, and the fellowship that will accompany it. Anoint our time and use us for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed.